there's a, in one of the forwards, that he talks about, there are a hundred men and women, women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And now, the word seemingly, is to me, is really important. Because seemingly means it appears true or false to you. And I feel it's implying like a perceptual truth, which is you and I give everything all the meaning it has. You and I give everything all the meaning it has. So let's say today I am not in good condition, and I look at this thing, and it's a problem. Yeah? The next day I am in good condition, I look at it, and it's not a problem. The next day, I'm not in good condition, and I look at it, it's a problem again. What is it? Is it a problem, or isn't it a problem? Or is it actually neither? It's what meaning I give it, yeah? In other words, and the meaning I give it is going to be based on the condition I seem to be in. If I'm feeling really good, it's just like when you're driving somewhere, and you have no, there's nowhere you need to go, you don't see anything as an obstacle, but when you need to get somewhere, then a lot of things seem like obstacles, yeah? People are cutting, what? Everyone's going slower than you think they should. They probably were doing the same thing the day before, but your attitude wasn't like you were in a rush to get anywhere, or that it was really important that you got somewhere. So all day, without knowing it, what we call us, this body, this brain, when it is giving meaning to things. And those meanings it's giving to things are predicated or based on what system of thought and interpretation, yeah? a system of thought and interpretation has captured our head. So the one we suffer from as alcoholics is self-centeredness. Yeah? Everyone's in self-centeredness, but we're, the, we're extreme examples of self-centeredness. So when we look at anything, it's, we always look at things as how they pertain to us. But that me, or that us, is where all the meaning comes from. So in, in you and I, in our head, there is a mental process that makes up a feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. The idea of being a self a separate unit based on identifying as being a body. So when people say we are spirit, it's very difficult for, t for us to entertain that statement because we're entertaining that statement as a body. Yeah? So when someone says you are spirit, we may agree with them, but how we feel we're hearing it is I'm a body. Yeah? This is who I am. This is, where, this is where my mind starts from and ends in all of its stories. It doesn't end and start from spirit. It ends and starts from a body identification. And in the system we suffer from, which is self-centeredness, an extreme subdivision called alcoholism, in that system of self-centeredness, this idea of being a self is at the center. Yeah? This is the whole system's basis. Is This is you. So when you see something, that that meaning is being given to that object or that person or that thought or that feeling, because seeing is not just visual. Seeing is sensing a feeling, yes, seeing, seeing a thought, this and that. But whatever you come in contact with here while living, 
yeah, what I call conscious contact, whatever you and I come in contact with while living will be given a meaning by the self-centeredness. The self-centeredness will give that that situation a meaning. And and so when something happens, and I believe it's happening to Paul, that Paul represents a lot of old ideas, beliefs, and concepts. Yes, That's why it says in recovery that unless you let go of all your old ideas, the result will be nil. Because what's happening, those old ideas are what's giving meaning to things. And the way they give meaning to things is something is seen to be happening to you as a Paul. That Paul represents a lot of old files, all these old ideas, all these beliefs, all these resentments, all these secrets. And then as soon as something is claimed as, oh, I'm seeing that, that opens up, and then these meanings are injected there into that. Yeah. So let's say a thought's happening. Just a thought. A thought comes and goes like everything else. But most people are holding thoughts as if they're the thinker of them, yes, or they're about me. And thoughts are about me, but that me isn't you. The me is a self. Yeah. The thoughts are about your head and the body and your life as a body. The thoughts are never about, can never capture spirit. They're impossible to capture spirit. All they do is paint a picture of self, and they reinforce that picture. So, let's say, if, and there's hundreds of thoughts going through our heads every day. Some people say there's like 70,000. A lot of thoughts go through. Most of us, we're not aware of most of them. Because the mind, what actually happens, the brain takes in tons of bits of information, and then it shrinks it down to a cup, just a couple of, a very small amount, and then it selectively makes a story out of that. <laughs> to support the idea of being you. <laughs> so, there's a thought happening. And it's being held as my thought. So, hundreds of thoughts, I'm not even going to say thousands, let's just say hundreds. Hundreds of thoughts have gone through your head, yes? And those thoughts has been held by a certain idea or a belief that I'm the thinker of those thoughts. Yeah? A belief is just like a more solidified thought. Yeah? It was had once and reinforced, now it's like a belief. So now, thoughts are being seen, which is all of us are conscious right now. Yeah? We're conscious. That's why thoughts can be seen, because there's something that's fueling the ability to see things. There's an awareness. And each and every one of us, as long as we're alive, yes, we're conscious. There's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching happening, and seeing thoughts. You see a thought like you would see a bird fly by a window. If your eye was open, and the window was there, and a a bird flew by, you would see it. Now you may say, I didn't want to see that bird, but it's too late. You saw it already. So the conscious contact comes before the mental interpretation. So conscious contact is seeing, feeling, smelling, tasting, touching, and seeing thoughts. That's called conscious contact. That's what brings us alike. That's what living is. Is you're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and then witnessing thoughts. So that's the conscious contact. So that is what happens. Now the mental, the mental process, or the mind and selfing, reacts to that conscious contact and says, I am the one who's seeing. I am the one who's hearing. 
I am the one who's feeling. I am the one who's tasting. I am the one who's touching. And that I represents an idea of you as a body. Yes? So, there's the noticing of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and then the mental process goes, I am the one who's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And I always use this example because it really brought it home for me. When I was younger, I had an uncle Fred who used to give me money at relatives' parties. I was very attracted to him for that reason, basically. He gave me a dollar or two behind his back. And when I was about nine, my uncle Fred passed away. And we had the funeral, and it was an open casket. And my mother said, do you want to say goodbye to Uncle Fred, yeah? So she brought me up to the open casket, and I looked in. And there was Uncle Fred. But I had a very distinct hit that that wasn't Uncle Fred. It was just a body, yes? Whatever I was calling Uncle Fred, which I thought was the body, had left the body. Because with its absence, the body did not strike me as Uncle Fred anymore. Yeah? I was taking the body to be Uncle Fred when it was animated by life or spirit. But I was actually mistaking it for a body. Because really, Uncle Fred was that spirit. Yeah? But I was mistaking it as a body because I'm under the mistake that I'm a body. So now, let's say I took Uncle Fred's body to the morgue and there was someone who needed an eye because they lost in an accident. And I took the eye out of Uncle Fred's head and it ha wasn't seen there as Uncle Fred, but I put it in that live body that I would see. There would be seeing facilitated by that eye. Yes? So obviously, it wasn't Uncle Fred that was seeing, and it wasn't the eye that was seeing, because the eye was perfectly intact. It had the possibility to see, but it wasn't doing any seeing. No matter how many times you flew a bird by it, in that casket, it wasn't going to see any bird. Even though Fred was staring right at it, there was no contact. There was no conscious contact, yes? The bird was there, the body was there, the eye was there, but there was no seeing. So obviously it can't be the eye that sees. It must be something looking through the eye. It must be something that's conscious that when a sound hits the eardrum, it makes a note of it. It hears the sound of the eardrum. Now, I don't believe it's you as a body. Because if it was you as the body, then when Uncle Fred was dead, it didn't matter how many times you took one of his eyes out and put it in a live head, it wouldn't see anymore, because Uncle Fred, the one who was the seer of it, would be gone, yes? So therefore, whatever comprised Uncle Fred obviously could not see if Uncle Fred was the seer, yeah? No matter how many times I polished it, and good luck and put it in the head, <coughs> it wouldn't see because it was Uncle Fred's eye. But in fact, it wasn't Uncle Fred's eye. It was an eye of a body that was enlivened by a spirit that I mistook to be called Uncle Fred as a body. Yes. So, in my whole view of this program, is the spiritual awakening is just that. It wakens you up to spirit. I don't believe it's a spiritual experience because <clears throat> I don't believe you can have a spiritual experience because you are spirit. Yeah? I believe when, you're, when there's a, an, a, an, ex, an event where spirit overwhelms your idea of being a body, what happens is the mind will arise sooner or later and claim that experience and neuter it by saying, I as a body just had a great spiritual experience. But in fact, 
The I that you're talking about <coughs> was not at that event. That's why it was a great spiritual event, because the self was absent. The idea of being a self was absent. But the self will re recoagulate and rise again in the mind and go, I just had a great spiritual experience. And now, it now starts acquiring spiritual experiences with the hope that if I have enough spiritual experiences, it will make me, as a body and a brain, spiritual. It can never make you spirit because you're already primarily a body and a brain, yes? But the body and the brain may believe it can become spiritual. But the fact, it's ridiculous for spirit to try to become spiritual. <clears throat> and all I'm saying is I believe you're a spirit, you're not a body. I do not believe you're a brain, you're, not, you're the animating principle in this body. We're, make, we're taking ourselves to being a body, but and then... Because the mental process that produces this feeling of being a self, <coughs> its whole story is based on reliance on the body as itself. This is what proves that it's separate and independent and separate. Because when it looks around, it sees different bodies. So it says, I must be different than you because I don't look like you. <coughs> yes? But if you see right now, everyone in this room's looking. Yeah? Everyone's seeing. Yes? You're looking this way, you're looking, everyone's looking, or seeing, yeah? Everyone's seeing, everybody in this room seeing. And when I look at what I'm seeing, I say, I'm looking at you, yeah? You, 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 you. So there's like 15 yous here. So I am looking at you, and I can look at 15 different yous, but the same <coughs> I is looking at all of them, yeah? There's not 15 different eyes looking at 15 different yous. There's one eye <coughs> looking at you, 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 you. Yes? That would be the basic bottom line of the experience of me looking. I'd be looking at 15 or 16 yous, but there would only be one eye looking. Yeah? <coughs> now, if we throw in the same event where you're sitting, it would be the same story. There's one eye who was a you to me, yeah? She was a you to me, but one eye looking at 15 yous, yes? And if I, all right, throw it over to Al, there'd be one eye looking at 15 yous. Throw it to you, one eye looking at 15 yous. One eye looking at 15 yous. One eye where Larry's sitting looking at 15 yous. One eye where, I forget, Lynn? Amy Lindsay looking at 15 U's. <clears throat> so there's 15 different U's to every one I, yeah? Because in, my, in this event, I believe I'm the I, but in your event, I'm a U. So, yeah? We all become U's to someone else's I. But the someone else's I is only really one I. It's only one I that's looking, Yeah? Only unless we call myself a body, then it's like I believed Uncle Fred was looking because I believed I was Paul. <clears throat> but in fact, what animating Uncle Fred is animating me. And what's actually looking out of, what looked out of Uncle Fred's head back then is the same what's looking out of my head now. And it's the same I, same I, same I. So here's 20 different events. Yes, 20 all different yous, but only one eye. But when there's the feeling of that looking or seeing, what does your head say? What does your head say? What does my head say? 
I'll say, I'm looking. But then when you ask it again, well, who's this I? It'll say me. Yeah? So the I, the eye of looking, the eye of hearing, the eye of feeling, the eye of seeing, the eye of tasting, the bare raw data of life, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and what's allowing it, one eye, only one eye, when my mental process senses that, it calls it a me. Yeah? And a me is what I call a you. A body. The way my mind thinks about I is thinks about it as a me, and that me is a body, uh, like a you. In other words, when I go to a mirror and I look at it, I go, that's me. Right now, you're acting the same thing as a mirror does. That you of Jeff, that body, of, uh, that's a you, tells, tells my mind that I'm a me, a body. And that's what disguises the act of the I. You don't recognize or feel the sense of oneness <clears throat> or all, all there is is that spirit because your mind has given it a name called you. Yes? Or in this case, called me. So the I, which is in the event of everyone seen here, only one eye saw. The mind calls it a different eye, but basically, just like Uncle Fred was animated by a spirit, you and you and you and I and I and I are animated by a spirit. Are they different spirits? I think not. Yes. I would say that's the spiritual awakening, is when you wake up to the spirit of what you are, you'll have some damn relief from the physicality of what you think you are. Yes? So, in the big book, it says... We seemingly recovered from a no, We recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So the hopeless state of mind and body only appeared true or false to you because obviously, since you're recovered, it wasn't a hopeless state of mind and body, was it? If it was a hopeless state of mind and body, there would be no chance of recovering from it. Yeah. If it was totally hopeless state of mind and body, there would be no chance to recover. It was seemingly hopeless. <laughs> Just like everything else in your head all day is seemingly so. So false evidence can seemingly be real to us. Yeah? <clears throat> so I can be thinking someone's planning my demise down the street and they haven't thought about me in ten years. They could care less about me. But seemingly to me, it's seemingly so. Yeah? And the reaction in here has nothing to do with fact or truth. It has to whatever it has to do with whatever I believe. If I believe false evidence, it appears real to me, which is that acronym of fear they use a lot in recovery. False evidence appearing real. So fear <coughs> is in most cases false evidence appearing real to us. It's seemingly so, but it's not so. That's why there's a solution to it. If it was a real solution, it would take a whole lot of time to get out of fear because it would be a real thing we're in. But in fact, we're not in fear. We're believing something that's not true. Could you imagine that in that day, doing your day, which is here you are giving everything the media has, and so now the meaning, the mind's giving things, is it's taking false evidence, and it's causing it to seem to be real to you. Yeah? Could you imagine if you had... <clears throat> the vision where you saw it as false evidence? If you or I see it as false evidence, it cannot appear real to you. Because it's because of you believing it that it appears real. Yes? 
In other words, false evidence has no <coughs> fact or juice in it. It's false. It has no substance. There's no reality to it. <coughs> but it's when we believe it, yes, then it can appear real. So do you see you and I rolling it when it comes to fear? We're an active participant. Fear isn't attacking us. We're an active participant in harvesting and cultivating and generating more of it. Because false evidence appears real. But it's not, let's say, you're experiencing a fear or some false evidence. Someone else who doesn't see the way you're seeing something doesn't have no reaction of fear. Yeah? <clears throat> That's why someone in this room may be incredibly anxious and others aren't. Why is that? If they were reacting to something that was real in this room, then everyone would be afraid of it. But it isn't. It's false evidence appearing real. <clears throat> and you and I have a role in it. We have a role in it. We're participating in this dream we're calling our life. And we're participating in a big freaking way. Most of us are participating unconsciously. Yes? We're not aware of it. And without illumination, whatever's happening to you is going to keep happening to you. <clears throat> yeah? Whatever's happening to you, and if you're unaware of it, you're going to be cast into the, like the hallway of shit and fans. You know? You've got to hope that you can run faster and duck, and maybe someone tells you a map and gives you the, the, the synchronization of when the fan and the shit get aligned, and you can try to duck and duck. But in fact, you're going to have a lot of time when you're going to be hit with a lot of shit. And maybe you'll avoid it and lie about it and deny it, but you're going to smell like I have it, or it's going to take a lot of time to clean up the shit. This is about seeing the shit, yeah, and the fan aligning, and seeing what turns on the fan, which is your belief. Your belief. You participate in your own demise here. Because false evidence is framing a reality for you, and the only way you can frame a reality for you is that it must be appearing real to you. What if it is real? <clears throat> what, if, what is it if it is what, real? What if it is real to the individual? Can you ask questions? Yeah, yeah. Well, give me an example. Uh, health, a serious health issue. There's a serious health issue. That's real for you. That's real for one individual. All right, so what happens if that comes up for you? Here, you're in the future. You're going to happen. So what, how do you react to that? Think about it. Isolate and think about it. Isolate and think about it. All right. So let's say if you could see that this body wasn't you. Yeah? <clears throat> Just entertaining it. It doesn't mean it's not sick. It doesn't mean it ha doesn't have illness. But if it wasn't you, I bet you you'd deal with it a lot better than when you think it's you. Yeah? Because what happens is when you think it's you... That body, when you call it my body, you're giving it a whole lot of fucking meaning. So every time you address it with, through the illness, which is the illness brings your attention to it, what gets downloaded through that attention is a lot more than care for the illness. Yes? A lot of freaky speculations about what's going to happen to me and what does it mean to me instead of just going to the freaking doctor. You know what I mean? And then you get the report and you wait to hear the news instead of having tons of speculation about the news. But this is self-will. This is selfing. This is what happens. When the mind itself believes this is it, it has the right to think about it. 
It just goes freaking berserk. Just like with a woman. Let's say a woman is your girlfriend. And you're having a great time with her. Right? Let's say she's having a great time. And you think about her in a nice way a lot, you know? But then, one day she turns into my girlfriend. Now you're thinking like you own her. Now you think she's a possession. Now you think you have the right to know where she was the day before. Now you start checking in on her. Maybe you pull up at her house and sit for four or five hours, making sure, well, who's coming and who's going? Yes? The whole relationship with that woman changes as soon as that sense of my arises. Yeah? Like here. I was just at this spiritual retreat, so I'll use this word, spiritual seeker. Yeah? Oh, no, spiritual path. Spiritual path. And then sex. And money. Yeah? So we look at it. Three words. You look at money, if you don't have any, it probably means a lot more than if you do. Yes? Sex, if you're not having any, maybe it'll mean a lot more than if you're having it. Spiritual path, whatever. But now, just add one little word, and then see how it changes the meaning. And I'll use the example of weight. See if it feels heavier. Yeah? So, spiritual path, money, sex. Alright? Now, I'm going to add one little word. My money. Now, hold it. A lot heavier. Yes? You have a lot more concern about my money than money. Yeah? My sex. Unbelievable. You've got volumes of stories written about that one. My spiritual path. Oh, yes, I'm so high above everyone else, so whatever. Well, my spiritual path compared to your spiritual path is a much better spiritual path. I haven't met a spiritual path as good as my spiritual path in a long time. So the my obviously represents a lot of meaning being given. Yes? That's what I call the real root of the daily disease. It's called identification as self. When I'm identified as self, and money is seen as my money, that self, that meaning that self is comprised of, which is a lot of freaking old ideas, a lot of beliefs that you may not be aware of, gets downloaded into that topic money. Girlfriend, my girlfriend, the same thing. You have insanely incredible a lot of ideas about girlfriends. <clears throat> as soon as a girl or woman becomes my girlfriend, those ideas get downloaded. Jealousy, suspicion, they all start arising, yes? As soon as there's a claiming of the relationship is yours, that yours is like a bridge for tons of meetings. And that is the evidence that starts appearing real to you. So the girl may not be fucking doing anything and you're, you're suspicious as hell. Yeah? It's insane. It's a sickness of mind. What we're saying here is simply this. I believe the root of the whole problem in AA it's talked about on page 64. This is my humble belief. The best we've been shown mostly in our community yeah, is that the root of the problem is obsession with self. Yes? We're extremely self-centered and selfish, and these need to be checked. If we keep acting out with so much selfishness and self-centeredness, the shit's going to hit the fan. And it's, but I believe there's some, it's different than that. I believe it's identification as a self. Yeah? I'm identified as a mental picture of what I am, which is blocking me off from the sunlight of the spirit, which I truly am. Yeah? This is not what's receiving the sunlight of the spirit. I am the sunlight of the spirit. This is what's blocking off my awareness of that idea. So...
So it says here on page 64, being convinced that self, and so the word convinced means to believe with certainty. It's meant that you get it in your gut, hopefully. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways. So, So being convinced that self manifested means appears in various ways. So what it's saying here to me is self has manifesting in a lot of ways, so it may be difficult to recognize what it is, because it's manifesting in a lot of different ways, was what had defeated us. Yeah? So in a sense, he's already stayed, stating the fact that we're trying to point at. It's saying self defeated us, meaning us is different than self. Yeah? So being convinced that self manifested in a lot of different ways, yeah? This is like all the activity defeated us. So, what I found out, how self has defeated me and continues to defeat me, is when I'm identified as it. Yes? What am I, yes? Can you explain what you mean by manifesting? Yeah, manifesting means appearing. I know what it means. Oh, but. Well, let's say in this idea, okay, you have the girlfriend, yes? You meet the very nice girl you're very interested in. And then the head starts thinking of her, even though you haven't even gone out maybe three times with her, you're holding her as my girlfriend. Yeah, your head is. <coughs> yeah? So, well, just say that's what's happening. Okay. So here's the girlfriend. You've gone out with her one night, maybe two nights, but your head now is speculating that it's your girlfriend. You're going to be married to her. You'll probably have a kid with her. You haven't broke the news to her at all, but this is what I call a self. Yes. That would be that would be the manifestation of self. Of, yes. Of receiving what you, an expectation down the road. Where yes, and then having an expectation of it, and having a point where if it doesn't happen that way, you're going to get resentful. Yes, that's a manifestation of self. Yes. So self, because I said self's modality is the claim. Yeah. So here's self claiming a situation of meeting a new girlfriend. So the self arises and says, oh, I just met this new girlfriend. I did, meaning Paul. And now, in all sense and purposes, I take her to be my girlfriend. Yes? And therefore, I expect a lot of things from my girlfriend. And this and that. And it goes off and off and off and off. That's the self thing. So as soon as there's the identification, yes, this is my, meaning this, has this, then all this gets downloaded with a lot of fucking ideas from self. That's the manifestation of self. Perceived ideas yes. of an outcome. It can be that. It can be ex- perceived ideas of a sense of entitlement, how they should be, how they shouldn't be, don't they know who I am, all of this stuff. All of these are forms of manifestation of self that are triggered by the mind. Yeah? The mind. The mind, the act of being identified as. Yes? As soon as that identification as is in place, then selfie occurs, which are the manifestations of self. Selfie. Yeah? All the, and then a lot of false evidence appears real. Now you may think she's cheating on you. She doesn't even know you're... She's gone out once with you. All this shit starts happening in your head. And you're taking it to be true. <clears throat> but what's taking it to be true isn't truly you, it's the mind itself. Yeah? Can we possibly use a different example? Because I don't get going out on a date with someone and then, and then you know, all right. these perceived ideas. Money. Money. 
Just money. Jealous, or because I don't, I don't get that. Okay, so let's say money. Okay, yeah, money. Right. Money's money. Okay. But now there's my money. Right. Yeah? Do you worry about money, or do you worry about my money? I worry about money in general to pay bills. But you call it my money, right? You don't have enough money. Well, I think the, the more you have, the more you have, the more you worry about it, because if you didn't have it, then there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, exactly. So who, but, so if you have a lot of money, you would think that would free you up. But if it's my money, then you then you worry that you don't have enough. Eh? I call it sand in the ocean. All right, so that's a... You have money, the ocean consumes. Alright, so, there, so therefore you can look at that as, let's say, the more money that you seem to have, and when that money becomes my money, the more worry you have around it than if you had none. Well, I just call it the green line. Well, just use it as, this, as an example, alright? Well, let me go to another example. We're trying to show how that self-manifests. Okay, so the same thing the man said before about being ill, okay? Let's say you get a, you get a little feeling in your stomach, right? Now the mind says, oh, Jesus Christ, I think I'm getting really ill. And then it starts believing it's going to have cancer next week. But it doesn't have cancer. Right. But it starts this false evidence that, hey, you're definitely going to have cancer. You don't even have to go to the doctor. I know it. You've got cancer of the stomach. That false evidence starts appearing real to you. That's yeah? Huh? It has happened to you. Yeah. All right. So that's what I'm calling would be selfing. Yes? It's none, of, it's none of the self's business. It has no idea what that, that uh, pain in the stomach means, but it's speculating. Yes? It's manifesting right. through thought a bad outcome for you. Yes? And that false evidence is appearing real to you. So you now have anxiety about having cancer when you don't have cancer. Right. Yeah. That would be a manifestation so of self. Different people have different perceptions. Of manifestations. Yes, that would be the manifestation so of different perceptions. Yes. But you just see how a situation happens, but when it seems to be happening to you, the meaning that's given to it is huge. Let's say a calamity happens to someone else, and the same calamity happens to you, you give it a lot more meaning if it happened to you than to them. Yes? A huge amount of meaning. Like if someone's down on their luck, you feel maybe compassion for them, but hey, you know, tough luck for them. But you, if you're down in your luck, self-pity may arise. A deep amount of self-pity. Well, woe, woe is me. And then start drinking again. Well, see how you mention, because I say I don't even like talking to people unless they could relate to me. So, like, I couldn't relate to the jealousy of going on a first date. So I wouldn't be able to relate to that no matter how many times you said it. Yeah. But then you put it towards if I get anxiety and I got chest pains, I think I'm having a heart attack when it's an anxiety attack, and I can relate to that. Yes. Well, that's a manifestation of self. Yeah? But you see how the manifestations of self have so much sway in our lives is based on being identified as a self. Yes? If there was a recognition or at least an awareness that maybe, just maybe, just possibly you are spirit, you would have immunity to the manifestations of self. Because they always... <clears throat> There's an old story in, uh, in, in Chinese martial arts, right? There was a great uh, emperor, and he had this giant kingdom, and he wanted to have a martial art contest to find out who was the greatest martial artist yeah, in the whole place. So all these great masters came, and they could do unbelievable things. And it was like three days of demonstrations, and it was just mind-boggling. And he had him, him and his couple of his 
guys with him that were going to judge. And then an old man came out the last day and just stood there with a sparrow. Yes? Like this. Stood there with a sparrow and just looked at everyone and just stood there for ten minutes. Yes? Just like that. And then just walked off the stage. And everyone went about doing their things. And then the king adjourned the whole thing and they had a meeting and they decided who was the winner. Yes? Who was the, uh, the greatest master? And they chose the old guy with the bird. Yeah? All the other people flipped out. They're going, I fucking broke 12 different cinder blocks. I jumped over 40 feet. I threw away 30 guys. But then they brought the old guy out to explain what he did. And basically he did nothing. The sparrow was trying to take off, but every time the sparrow tried to push off, the master could feel it and yielded. So the sparrow wanted to push off, but had nowhere, no thing to push off from. That's exactly what selfing and all that anxiety you're fucking having is pushing off from the idea of being a self. Every time it bounces off that and then false evidence appears real to you over and over and over and over again. And then when the false evidence appears real, you have to do... See, if the false evidence appears real, then you have to seemingly get a real solution. So let's say you're reacting to what's not happening. Yeah? You don't have cancer. Yeah? You think you're going to have cancer, but you, you know, and your mind's saying you're going to have cancer in two weeks. So you get so much anxiety now based on the false evidence appearing real because what's not happening is truly not happening. It's two weeks from now. But you believe you're going to be sick and settled in two weeks. What do you do? The anxiety starts happening now based on you believing that and maybe you take a pill to get relief now from an effect from what's not happening. You don't even have cancer. It's producing an anxiety that you don't, it has no source. It's just a mental anxiety. And now you take a pill to get relief from that. And now let's say you get addicted to the pill that you were taking to get relief from what's not happening. Isn't that freaking insane? That you're taking a pill now to get relief from what's being produced by entertaining what's not happening. These are manifestations of self. So the false evidence, when it appears real, just drives you to get a real solution to it. A pill, a drink, a something. Yes? Yeah. Wouldn't we be brain dead, though, if we didn't think of anything? No, 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 no. You wouldn't be brain dead. You're... This, the apparatus stinks, but you, you and I believe we're the thinker of it. I'm just questioning that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with thinking. To make it through a day, you need to think. You have a working mind that says, put this bolt under that nut and turn it this way. But to be thinking about you is total insanity. That's the sickness of mind. Yes? You. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about, self-centeredness. I know how you mean it. No, I think it came across perfectly. The way I did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see it. You see it, exactly. Everyone in here is having a subjective experience. So no matter what you say, you have no control of how others hear it. Right, how people see yeah, what you say. Exactly. Like what you're because you and I 
have a subjective experience. So there's no truth here at all. Everything is, seems to be true or false to you or me, based on where we're seeing it from. Yes? Well, if they say you can't help anyone if you're not... If you can't help yourself, then you can't really help anyone else. I don't believe that. I believe if you surrender, you'll be used to be helpful. I'm not a believer that you have to have something to give it away. I think you have it by giving it away. That's my opinion. Just an opinion. But I believe that. I believe that if you're opened up and you surrender, you'll be used beyond your capabilities or your seeming capabilities. Yes? Your seeming level of wisdom and understanding. You're surprised how much knowledge comes out of the mouth of a newcomer. Just listen. We assume too much, right? Something is like that. How do you how do you deal with the uh, you know the ego that gets rebuilt all around all this wonderful stuff and stuff? What this? Yeah, this. How do you go get built around? I mean, that, that's the spiritual arrogance. That's why. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I find that 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 has been in my mind on a number of occasions because you know I've done all this um, seeking and yeah, yeah. step work and I've got it now and uh, yeah. Yeah, you get it then. <laughs> well, for me, again, it's the idea of self, because like it's explained really well, spiritual arrogance in a way. It says self-knowledge will avail you nothing. So any knowledge that's claimed by self will avail you nothing. It will not set you free. Exactly. That's the dilemma. That's what I'm attempting to share with you. I'm attempting to share that if I'm not identified as self, then knowledge that comes through, that's what it does. It comes through. It's not claimed as your knowledge. And so spiritual arrogance has a tough place to grow because there's nothing to take root in because you haven't claimed the knowledge as yours. You haven't claimed the knowledge as yours. It's almost as everything is just moving through. Just truly, like AA says, you have it by giving it away. But when there's the self, which is the modality of being identified as this, and its main activity is the claim, any knowledge it, <coughs> it believes you have received, it claims, and that's self-knowledge, and it avails you nothing. It doesn't set you free, no matter what. what? It's probably even worse the more you know. Oh, yeah. Because it says, says self-knowledge will avail you nothing. So to me, knowledge is very valuable. But then, if self claims it, it doesn't have any value. See, it's trippy. Yeah? If self claims it, and I'm, what I'm saying is, if there's an identification as a self, that's what's happening during your days. That's why if you acquire a lot of spiritual knowledge, be very, there may be an incredible opportunity for arrogance to arise, because you'll think you're different than others. As if you're special. When you're not. Yes? Everything is just happening through. There's no one that it's happening to or for, as or by. There really isn't a person here. Yes? So I am seeing the same eye that's looking out of your head is looking out of my head. Yes? My mind says it's me, and your mind says it's you or me, but that's the mental interpretation of the event called living. To me, the event itself is what I call spirit, that conscious contact, because that means consciousness is in contact. Not body, not brain, but a spirit is in contact through this body and brain. Yeah? And I don't think there's more. There's different spirits. I would say where there's only one spirit looking out of thousands and thousands of different cameras 
darkness. And for me, I'm just a lens that facilitates its seeing. Yeah? But the knowledge of that, that I'm not this, this idea of being a self, allows this to travel a lot lighter here. Yes? Like Rule 62, it says, don't take yourself too seriously. It's very difficult not to take yourself seriously if you identify as one. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, the biggest meaning your mind can give anything is that it's you. I also think the body can handle that, that name. It cannot handle the name of being you. It's way too much for it. You know? Too much observation, too much critiquing, too much sitting on top of it like a big head, too much urban renewal project. They'll ne- it, will never, it will never give you a sense of okayness. There's always going to be something wrong with you as this. It's always going to be raising the bar. If you go jump through 50 bars, it'll add another one. If it's 55 hoops, it'll be 56 hoops. There's never a place you'll rest because it will not it has no acceptance towards you whatsoever. There's no freedom in it. There's no freedom for self. It's freedom from self. And to me, when I entertained that I was not that, the first thing, I swear, <clears throat> when I heard this message and I actually heard it for the first time, not the first time I heard it, but I heard it for the first time, when it hit me, it was like an unspoken yes, yes? Something hit me, it's just like a resonation or whatever. Boom! And that was that, really. Now, as soon as I realized, then I went back to AA, and I read the book. And every time I came across the word self, I saw it in a whole different light. And it was all this new downloading going on, and every bit of downloading was just about, I'm not that. As soon as I entertain I'm not that, I immediately entertain I can be free of it. Yes? But you can't be free of it if you're identified as it. It's impossible. All you can do is try to make it better or get therapy for it or get some relief here and there or socialize it so it doesn't end you up in jail anymore or maybe (coughs) pray that you can go to a picnic without flipping out or maybe have a three-month relationship at the most or whatever. I mean, the hopes and the possibilities are quite meager under the tyranny of that. But as soon as I entertain I'm not that, the next sense was, I can be free of it. Yes! Radical relief. Not relief for it, but relief from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on a second, I want to go into this a little bit. So, in the book, being convinced that self, manifested in various ways, is what has defeated us, we will now look at its, meaning self's, Common manifestations. And then the next paragraph that launches off with the word resentment, which now we're going to do the written aspect of the fourth step. But I'm telling you, this is a new way of looking at it. The way I was taught was that they were my resentments, my fears, my acting out, my self-pity, my this, my that, my sense of being the victim, all of this stuff. But in fact, if I read it this way, they're not mine, they're expressions of self through me. Yeah? Being convinced that self manifested in various ways. Some of its grosser manifestations are resentments and fears. Yes? That's what it does. So when self is giving my life the meaning it has, and giving what I'm in conscious contact with the meaning it has, it produces the opportunities to have resentments and live in anxiety. Doesn't it? So those are expressions of self. 
So if I say, so what has defeated me? Those, those expressions are what has defeated me. What truly defeated with me was identification as self. How it defeated with me was having resentments and anxiety all the freaking time. Yes? How can you entertain joy and peace and serenity if you're in a, a constant state of anxiety about what's not happening? If you cannot respond to now, you have to be responding to then and there. There's no way. If you cannot respond to now, you're reacting to then and there. Then and there is past and future. If your life is determined by that, that's what I call an interpretation. And if it is an interpretation, these are the expressions and manifestations you're going to be dealing with all the time. Selves. And these are just the grosser ones. Look at the dictionary and look up the word self. <clears throat> and then see, it has a hyphen and there's about 90 different adjectives. And maybe if you total them all up, I'd say maybe 20 of them are positive and 70 of them are negative. That's what you're going to live as. Like this. Your scale is so tipped to the negative side. Fuck it. <laughs> you might as well get loaded. That's what happens. I changed incredibly because it was like I was doing a four-step on stand, not Paul. And I can I'm very can be very rigorously honest about stand. I can look right at Al and know exactly. I can do an inventory in Al in five minutes. Al, you're a fuck up. But when I turn that same, you know, eagle eye on me, when I think it's me, there's a lot of uh, I'm confused. There's no way rolling things. What's happening here? The mind causes the, the confusion. If I can look at self as something other than me, I can be fearless and thorough in inventorying its expressions in my life. It's like a parasite. Alcoholism is sort of like a parasite. The alcoholism has taken us over, yes? It jacked us over, and now... And it's a very hostile parasite, as you know. If any of us have had alcoholism here, it does, it's not a benign parasite. It really doesn't treat you well, does it? So, <laughs> it treats you very harshly. So it's got to have an incredible strategy to keep the host at bay so the parasite can keep sucking its life from it. It has to have a damn good strategy. And it has a great strategy. It's convinced us that we're in it. It's projected a self, an idea of being what we are, a body, and it is the thing that's projected that, and we become identified as that, and now we cannot entertain being free of that parasite because we are what we think we are, and we think we're that. Yeah? So now it has carte blanche or open access to express or manifest itself through us, into our lives. And those are the fears and the resentments and all the other people, the self-pity and this and that, the envy and the greed and all this shit, yes? Is we are allowing all of that to be funneled through us into a life. Because self doesn't have a life of its own. It's taken over ours, yes? It's a parasitical mental movement. It's taken over our life and it's using it to express itself through and it has, it has open access. Any aspect of your life, it goes in, you never check it at the door because it just says, I'm you. <laughs> oh, come on in. Come on in, oh great one. Tell me how I should do. Oh, I think you should do this again. Okay. 
Yes? And so you keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again, expecting different results, that form of insanity. That's all selfing. All of it. I can tell you humbly this because I entertained it. And I got radical relief. It's as simple as that. I've been able to travel lighter now for fucking years. Yes? Through a lot of different circumstances and situations in life. A consistent traveling lighter where before the basic bottom line was an underlying anxiety. Yes? Open to resentment and acting out. Now it's an underlying faith and an ease and comfort which spikes every once in a while of anxiety and acting out. What was the difference? The only difference I can tell you is instead of fighting the obsession with self, I realized I wasn't self. And then I could do a fearless, thorough inventory on it. I could see its expressions. I could see its basic ways it manifested in my life. I could tell the truth about it. And the one thing self doesn't like is illumination. <clears throat> it does not like to be seen. Yes, it likes ignorance, it likes darkness, it likes confusion. It can play its little number on it. That's where only in the dark does false evidence pure real. If the room was illuminated, no matter what people said was in here, you would see what was in here, yeah? No matter how many times said, oh, there's no chairs in here, you'd be looking at chairs. So you'd have an immunity to that false evidence. They're saying there's no chairs, yeah? You'd have an immediate immunity to it, you would see the chairs. But in the dark, how do you know? Yeah? In the dark, someone can say over and over and over again, there's no chance, you'll stop believing it, won't you? If it's said over and over enough, you'll believe it, won't you? And you'll keep believing it, and then you'll keep running into the chairs, hurting your knee, but you'll keep being a surprise because you, you really believe there's no chance in here. But your experience is you keep running into chairs, but the belief overrides your experience, and you keep saying there's no chance in here. And all you need to do is turn on the light. If you put the light on, that, that myth, that seemingly so, that false appearance of no chairs would be seen to be a lie like that. And it would never be able to be cast over you again as long as the light was on. You would never fall for that story that there's no chairs in here because you would see them. Yes? The whole point is this, is there's illumination available. I would say you are the light, but not as self. Self is what wants to claim the light. It wants to become a spiritual, arrogant one, son of a bitch. It, and of course, then it has to have less spiritual people underneath them to look like they're brighter. All of this is mental selfing. It's all of it is self. This is a, clear, a clarity where blue is blue and red is red and orange is orange. It's a recognition of what's so and what's not so. But not by you. By the absence of you, then there's real seeing. It's like, you, ever, you know a guy named Chuck C. in AA? Famous old guy in AA. Chuck C. wrote a book, A New Pair of Glasses. I'm going to use his analogy. So let's say self-alcoholism, let's say self-centeredness, which everyone's in here, by the way, not just alcoholics, everyone, is a pair of glasses, yes? So when you were a baby, when you were a baby, you were not looking from self-centeredness. You didn't know there was a self yet. It hadn't formulated in the mind. And you didn't see anyone as other for the first year and a half. The research is in. The, the baby doesn't recognize others until about a year, 18 months. It just, whatever. Right? You can see it. It's just consciousness is trying to get used to this apparatus. It's just patterns going all over the place. <laughs> yes? But then it grows into self-centeredness. Yeah? 
So the self-centeredness becomes an option it grows into, and then during its life it gets reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. And that self-centeredness tells a story about being me. Yeah. Well, where was I going with that? Huh? The glasses. There you go, Al. You're listening. <coughs> That's cool. That's very good. So here's these glasses of self-centeredness. Yes? And so self-centeredness, see, to me, the true addiction is the self. Yeah? Just like my first solution to alcoholism was alcohol. Alcohol was not the problem for me. It was the solution. I had alcoholism. It was driving me fucking crazy. I didn't know what to do. When I got introduced to beer, it was, it was a solution. It, t- it tamed down the obsession with self. I didn't care what the girl meant by saying hello to me in the hallway. I didn't care what my batting average was or if that lady got up when I was up at the plate when I was 11 years old. All that sort of diminished, and I felt somewhat better. So I went at it like a medicine. So my first solution to alcoholism was (coughs) drinking. Well, alcoholism to me is just like a subdivision of self-centeredness. I think the true addiction is to the idea of being a self. That's the mind's true addiction that causes the the initial irritability wrestles. Didn't you start feeling somewhere along the line uncomfortable? When you did it when you were a young kid? When I was a young kid, I'd run up to anybody. When I was a young kid, I wasn't in an abusive situation. It was beautiful. Then, a certain uncomfortability, an over-sensitive feeling about myself, an incredible sense of self-consciousness. How are other people viewing me as an object? It It was unbelievably unbearable every freaking day to go to school. I'd wake up and I'd try to see if there was a pimple on my nose, my clothes in one eye, like it was Mount Everest, like everyone in the whole school. The, the alarm was going to go off. Hey, Paul has a Mount Everest on his nose. Everyone else would worry about their own Mount Everest. But this obsessiveness with self was unbearable, wasn't it? So at one point in your life, you didn't have it, and then you started to have it. What occurred is that thought system got stronger, and then there was an identification with its presentation, which is being a body. Once that hook was in place, it was all about reinforcing that from the rest on. So that created, I had a strain of that self-centeredness called alcoholism, which produced an irritability, restlessness, and discontent. So I was dying to find relief for it. I just didn't know what that relief was. Then when I was introduced to alcohol, that was suitable. Yes? I started drinking, and immediately I upped it to drugs. And I started to go out seeking relief from alcoholism. Yeah, that's what I did. And it brought about a certain relief, but it actually caused it to get even worse. So, because my solutions are inherently a problem, actually. Yeah? So my solution to the problem became a bigger problem. And the next solution to that problem, which was I was a messy drunk, so I started doing a lot of coke. So now I didn't piss in my pants and I didn't slur my words, but that created a huge problem. Yeah? And then I had a solution to that. Let's do, shoot some heroin. Back. And so on and so forth. So it's a solution problem, solution problem, solution problem. <clears throat> so that first pair of glasses, and then I had a subdivision, a special lens called alcoholism. Yeah? So there was self-centeredness, and then I had a, like a 50 by 20 alcoholism. So AA is like another pair of glasses. So I get to AA, and then when I put on the pair of AA glasses, they start correcting the distortion of the alcoholic glasses. Yeah? I start seeing that I better do some service to get out of myself because I start hearing what they're saying and I realize, yes, self is the root of the problem, yeah? 
And if I do service, I'll get out of myself and I'll feel better. And then I start learning how to, like, I do the inventories, I make my amends, and there's corrections. And so I start seeing a little clearer, and it feels a little, it feels a little better, yes? And then you'll usually hit a point where it doesn't seem to be enough. So now maybe you go back to church, or you go to another spiritual group, or you start meditating, or you start taking ayahuasca, going with the shamans, and Native American Indian sweats, whatever. And you're trying to improve the glasses to correct that first glasses, yeah? Well, to me, all glasses are a form of looking. There is a natural seeing. You are naturally seeing before you started looking. So a real good pair of glasses, hopefully, will leave you freedom from all player of pair of glasses. It doesn't mean you throw the glasses down and squish crunch them. You put them in a very, very hiding place, but now you're free from the need of all glasses. That, to me, I think, is the point of AA. Yes? Is to be free. And like it says on page 84, <clears throat> you will cease fighting everyone and anything. These are some of the byproducts of that spiritual awakening. It's nothing that we do. These are just results that are seen through our life. Yes? We discover that they've happened by watching their effects. We don't have any idea that it happened. We were just doing what we were doing. And yet, something like this goes up. We have ceased fighting anything or anyone. And that means even alcohol. That means anything or anyone. Not just alcohol. Anything or anyone. For by the time, this time, sanity will have returned. So now I'm of a sound mind, a mind unidentified as a self to me. It's a beautifully sound mind, yeah? We will seldom be interested in liquor, yeah? Or not at all, really. If tempted, we recall from it, recoil from it from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. That will be very new. Yeah. And we will find that this has happened automatically. This is what I love, right? It has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude to liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. Yeah? So the mind has shifted out of self-centeredness and now is open to another way of looking. And these are the effects of the other way of looking. You cease fighting everyone and anything. Things start happening automatically to you. You're, you, you seldom get interested in alcohol. We'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us. This is many of the things it's given you. Without any thought or effort on our part. And it, it just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel we, as though we have been placed in the position of neutrality. The fight's over, yeah? It's like I've been placed in a position of neutrality. I don't have any opinions against or for. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want a drink, go ahead. <laughs> we feel as though we have been placed in this issue of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. The problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. Now, that's a damn good solution. When you travel as if the problem does not exist for you, that's a damn good solution. <laughs> not that you haven't, you've beaten it, or you've got it pinned. Not even that. It just doesn't exist for you. The phantom boxing match has been called off. 
<laughs> it does not exist for us. We are neither cocky, yeah, nor are we afraid. See, someone who thinks they're somewhere is afraid they may not be there. Yeah? Or someone who thinks they're someone is afraid they may fall from that someone, someplace. Yes? Anytime you and I take a position, the mind's reactions are anxiety causing about that position may not last. I may do something to lose it. Yes? <laughs> See, if you believe you did something to get it, you can believe you'll do something to lose it. But if you realize it has nothing to do with you, then it can stay for very, very long periods of time. Once it, it has something to do with you, it's going to be very infrequent usually. Because your mind is going to make a judgment that you're not, you don't deserve it, you're not good enough, and then you'll be jumping through those hoops again to try to get to the point where you can entertain that. So what's playing God? You know, the biggest statement that I think in AA is on the third step. It says, this is the how and why of the whole program. Very comprehensive statement, yeah? The how and why of this whole program is to quit playing God. Now, to me, before you quit playing God, it usually, what's preceding that is you have to see what it looks like to be playing God. So simple examples, like we said before, simple examples of the mind playing God is, let's say, when you wake up and your mind tells you that how the day is going to be. Yeah? Now, if you've been in the day, it's, it's shown to you that a day is served to you moment by moment. Yeah? That's how God shuffles the cards, so to speak. He gives you one card at a time, and then you play the hand as you get it. The mind says it knows what the hand's going to be. And you might as well fold that down. Fuck it, you're going to lose the game. Now I would say that's playing God, isn't it? And here's another one. So now I'm thinking about what you're thinking about me. Yeah? And I'm sure that you're thinking I'm an asshole. And maybe you are, I could be quite lucky today. But I'm thinking you're thinking I'm an asshole. That's playing God. Yeah? I think I know you, that's playing God. I'm not open to any revelation from you of what you may be, because I think I know you. I've got it packaged at Patrick, and now it's neutered, and it can never bring anything new to me, in a sense. This is the act of playing God. In the act of playing God, you live in time more than now. In your thought system, the past is more important than now, and the future is way more important than now. Most of the time, your experience is really being produced. Your experience now is being produced by what's not happening. By thinking about what's not happening, it's causing the body to have certain effects. Yeah? So in a sense, you and I are greater miracle workers than Jesus was. Because Jesus supposedly resurrected a man named Lazarus right, from the dead, right, in the Bible. He says, Lazarus, come wake up and come walk, or whatever. But at least Lazarus was once alive. Yeah. He, had once ex- he had had once existence. Many of us are experiencing anxiety that is coming from what's not happening. What's not happening? There's no airport in next Friday. You can't land in next Friday. There's no five-star hotel. There's no tourist agency. It's not happening. Yet, if, you, if the thoughts go there, and your attention goes with those thoughts, those thoughts about what's not happening will produce an effect in you right now. 
you'll experience what people call fear, but I say it's mental anxiety. The mind is producing a physiological effect of fear by mental thoughts. Yeah? Yes. So you think there's something positive to happen, all right? Right as it is right now. What? 
I don't like this invitation. That's selfish. Where else is the invitation going to be? It's right now, exactly like it is at this very moment. It's Staten Island in St. Paul's on a rainy night under exposed lights, whatever. This is it. The head goes, this ain't enough. There you go. <laughs> then it goes, hey, what it really does is this. He goes, I think it could be different. No, something's happening to me, and I think it could be different. That's usually the stance of mind. Yeah? It sees things as happening to it, and it thinks they could be different. And then it thinks a whole lot about how they think they could be different. And usually the thing doesn't change. So let's say you're in a relationship, and now you're thinking it could be different. You could be out of the relationship. So all intents and purposes in your head, you're out of the relationship, but you're in relationship with that person every day. But while you're in relationship with that person, you have thought that you don't have to be in the relationship. So you're in withholding constantly. You're constantly shut down while seemingly in a relationship. That's <coughs> insanity. Man. Get out of it, then, if you don't want to be in it. Yeah? Or then surrender and be in it. Yeah. But this idea of thinking I could be somewhere that I'm not is insane. Yeah. Thinking that this could be any different. To sit here and think that, oh, this is playing God. The easiest thing in the world is acceptance. I can just look around this room and I don't want to change a damn thing about it at all. That's acceptance. Me looking around the room and saying, I wish someone who isn't here was here. That is an acceptance. Yes? This is acceptance. I don't have to change one anything. I don't have to move a chair. I don't have to bring another book in or get another drink or get another person in. It's purely, it's the most relaxed attitude of all acceptance. Because you don't need to change a damn thing. Yeah? It's like here. We're like... Here at this meeting, we're talking about the ocean, every one of us. Yeah? We're sitting here talking about the ocean. But we're identified as a wave. Yeah? You take yourself to be a wave. Take John takes yourself to be a wave. My wave is named Paul. So here we are. <clears throat> we're suffering from the lack of ocean. And so we're here studying about the ocean. But while we're studying about the ocean, we are identified as a wave. Yeah? So the best we can do is, I can maybe have an experience of the ocean one day. As a way. Now, I'm, not, I'm saying, I don't really care about any more descriptions of the ocean. I'm just interested, are you a wave? If you're not a wave, that's the ocean. Yeah? If you're not what you think you are, it, you may realize you are what you're looking for. Yeah? If you're not what you think you are, which is the wave, there may be a very sudden realization, I am what I'm looking for, which is the ocean. so quick, because the wave is an ocean. No matter how much you want to concentrate on the appearance, the definition of it as a wave, it's made of ocean, yes? So the, the wave is actually, because it's identified as a wave, it acts as if it's dry, and it's in sorely need of an ocean. Yeah? And yet, it's wet as hell. But the mind is denying that because it has divided the to find the ocean as a wave, yes? The mind, not you, the mind. The mind has defined the ocean as a wave, and now you have an experience of being dry, dying for some water, and yet you're the source of the water, yeah? You're the ocean. Do you want to convince the self as a wave to be an ocean? 
It will always try to be an ocean as a wave. That's not being the ocean. But if you realize you're not a wave, that's the ocean. All I'm saying is you're a wave, bro. And then say you're not. Ding! So I'm describing what it's like to be a wave, and then ding! You're not. And so the wave hears about its description. Yeah, that sounds just like me. Sounds just like me. Sounds just like me. And you're not that. The wave, your attention leaves the definition of the wave and you get the essence of water. Yeah, I feel wet now. I feel the presence of the ocean. As the ocean, not as a wave. If you feel it as a wave, it will come and go. It will just be an experience. And you and I need more wetness than that. We can't rely on experiences of being wet. They don't hold water truly in life. Yes? Life will overwhelm us. The dryness of life will overwhelm us. But to realize that we are witness allows, I know for me, it allowed me to travel later here. <clears throat> Consistently, for years now, so. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. A tree, a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit, like Jesus said, and a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. So you'll judge the tree by the fruit. So it's your own life that's the scripture. If you read your life and it seems like it's gotten a whole lot lighter, then you're on to it. Yeah? I would go with what's, what's been introduced. If you're feeling like you have to be right about something, but it's not translating as any lasting relief, I'd give up that dogma and that belief. It's killing you. To be a spiritual giant. <laughs> this is about being absent, really. And then you get a sense of true presence. Your absence of being a self, which you never were to begin with. And then what happens is, what you are missing in life, you feel as you're living it. Because you're the bringer of it into life, not the getter of it in life. You bring it into your life, yeah? You're awake, you're vibrating, there's an energy, there's a presence, and consciousness. So you're looking for that, you want that, but you want it as a self. But it doesn't succeed. The best you can have is have some experiences of it, but they don't last, do they? But if you were in a self, maybe you don't need a spiritual experience. Maybe you are spirit. Yeah. I was lucky enough to be invited. I entertained it, and it sort of came, quote-unquote, true for me. That's why I'm here tonight, really. Because you might try, but I want to share it with you. I don't care if you do it or not, but you have the right to hear it. Yeah. When, when, uh, when you say do it or not, what do you, what do you mean? Well, to me, I mean entertainment. Is there, is, there, is there a, you know, I want to ask you, is there a discipline? No. Is there a mental... Um, uh, no. I would just do what you're doing in AA with the idea that you may, be, may possibly not be a self and just hold that idea while you're looking at things and while you're looking at the book and while you're doing the work and maybe you'll see you'll do a much fearless and thorough tenth step tonight when you don't think it's about you and you'll start seeing that maybe what I said has some relevance because you'll feel it and things will make more sense to you than before and then some radical shifts and freedom may occur so the shifts you're talking about as a product sometimes no, the shift is the mind realizing it's not what it's been thinking it is. The mind has, like in Buddhism, if you ever heard of Buddhism, 
Thanks. There's a word called enlightenment, which means total awakeness. And then there's a word called samsara, which is suffering here. Yeah? Suffering this place. And it says, and also there's the ordinary mind, you know, like our conditioned mind, and the enlightened mind. And he says in Buddhism that the ordinary mind and the enlightened mind are the same mind. Yes? To me, the enlightened mind appears to be ordinary when there's an identification of self. When that identification is seen through, then that's the enlightened mind. They're the same mind. One is like the mind, one is like a hand, enlightenment, and then one is like a hand in a glove. Ordinary, yes? Let's say in this world there was only one way you could feel this world, and that's by touching. You couldn't see it, hear it, taste it, or smell it, you could just feel it. And let's say at some point in your life there was a hand when you were a baby and you felt all these things new and everything. And then somehow a glove came over that hand and there was a forgetfulness of that event. It happened so, so that there was a... Part of the glove come over the hand was the forgetting of the hand that the glove came over. Now, your whole life would be interpreted by this glove, right? And let's say it's a coarse glove. So everything I felt would feel coarse. Even like rose petals would feel coarse. Even the most beautiful piece of alabaster or sculpture would feel coarse. Yeah? Everything. Maybe there was a scripture about <coughs> heaven is like walking through a thousand rose petals. And so you really believe this and you go to that place where all the rose garden is and all the rose bushes are and you walk through it and you feel all the petals but they feel coarse and rough. So the scripture isn't translating as a, you know, as a realization. The whole point is, I'm saying is self is just like that to our spirit here. You know, self is like a glove that's come over our spirit, and then the self, the idea of being a self, has been interpreting our life. You know, since we were three, two, two and a half till now. And I'm just saying possibly that is a glove. And if it is a glove, it can be removed. Yes? The hand is not the glove, so the hand can come out of the glove. And then when you start feeling and traveling through life, I bet you it will feel a little different. I call it by the term traveling lighter. You'll travel lighter through whatever circumstances and terrain or geography your life has in store for you. I don't know. We're all action figures. But I know you'll travel lighter through it. <coughs> and what, what's it, you know, to me that's the highest joy of living here. It's nice to be able to travel lighter through it. And I only say that because the glove, I got glimpses of life without a glove. Well, that's why I'm here reporting back. It is a distinct possibility it can occur because it's available. Because the glove isn't real. It's false evidence appearing real. If it was a real glove, you'd have to take, do something to take it off. It's a recognition it's not real. That's its quote-unquote being taken off. It doesn't take any time in a sense. It may take time because of the resistance, but the act, that doesn't actually take any time. It's mind just recognizing its own nature. Yeah. So, then it can entertain possibilities, like instead of being better later, being okay now. Yeah. Not having so much concern about the future. Doing your planning, but realizing all planning is done now. Everything that's ever happened has been happening now. Every thought, every time I'm thinking about the future, I'm doing it now. Every time there's thoughts about the past, it's happening now. Nothing 
is ever done outside the realm of now. It's nice to notice that. Yeah? <laughs> you want to live your life and have your head tell you how it's going? You want to go to work and then at 8 o'clock at night your head tells you you had a bad day? Wouldn't you, if you were awake, you would have known it was bad when it was batting. You know? You would have to wait 10 hours later. Oh, the great pontificator has broken the news. I had another bad day. This is unbelievable. Don't you see the time delay? How much we're not here? That we have to have an interpretation of our days. We don't even know what it was like to be here. I mean, that's pretty far. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean it's fucking normal. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. You know, we're all in the insane asylum. Just because you're closer to the door doesn't mean you're better off. <laughs> so, I don't know. It made a lot of sense to me when I heard this. And I've been entertaining it now. 12 years or so. doesn't mean anything, but, you know, about 11th year of sobriety, I think I started. You know, I heard earlier than that, about nine years. But then I started entertaining it, and more and more it dawned on me, and less and less I was caught up in the bullshit of the mind. Yeah? More and more. And then when you are caught up in the bullshit of the mind, you're present, yes? Here. When you're present, you're available. And when you're available, you're of service. That's what happens. Instead of having to do service to feel available and, and sense of presence, I'd rather see that of the presence that I'm always available and therefore above service. Yeah. yeah. It's like a quantum leap in a way. AA is unbelievable. We don't know what we have. I mean, just because some people want to put a ceiling on it, it has no ceiling. It's a very large umbrella. And it has a very firm foundation to keep what's going on here at a certain equilibrium. Yeah? The principles are very sound. You can have a life that can create a sense of space for you so that all this can be entertained. Yes? And you have a community all around the world to get a sense of belonging. And you can sit in an AA meeting and feel a loving God expressing himself through our group conscience. You get a magnified presence sometimes in a good meeting. This is like matter or spiritual food. I mean, this is like a waylay station all around the world, a rest stop. Yeah? Not just to not have a drink, but they get spiritually nourished. It's incredible what we've been introduced to. Everywhere you go, there's meetings. Everywhere. If you have a sense of isolation, like you said, you can come here and have a, a sense of belonging without everyone, you know, coming up to you. You can be anonymous and still get a feeling of being a belong. There's no central character that we have to believe. It's wonderful. It's fucking incredible situation. And here, you have, to, you have to carry the message because someone needs to hear the message, yes? And then some days you need to hear the message and then they carry the message. It's a total symbiotic relationship. I need to hear a message some days and you need to carry it. You need to carry it. I need to hear it. Yes. I need to carry it. You need to hear it. It goes on and on and on and on and on. Just constantly... Like electromagnetism, keeping itself going. Yeah, it's unbelievable, feeding itself. <clears throat> We're in a very magical little vortex in this place called AA. It's definitely a magic and a grace available. And yet, if you don't honor the grace, have you ever noticed some people who had time and they go out? They think that AA is going to be exactly the way it was.